the, the old vine blocks that you find in each region truly is unique. Um, you can truly see the difference um, that different soils can have on such an old block, how it develops, um, and it's and the ability um, it ha it has to become an old vineyard block. Um, so it really is a um, extremely um, fulfilling project to be a part of. Today I'm talking to Madeleine de Tui about her work as viticulturist and also the old vine wines. Hello Madeleine. Hi, how are you? I'm finding you. Good, good. Um, it's uh, so wonderful to meet you here on Zoom. Definitely, and me as well. So where are you based? Um, I am actually based in Worcester. Yeah. It's just outside um, of the Breda Cliff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so um, I'm based right here in Worcester. It's actually quite central in the sense that you're basically more or less an hour's drive from most um, winemaking regions, mm -hmm. um, which is quite um, convenient being me being a viticulturist working in quite a wide area. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, um, I read actually about viticulture because it is something that I didn't know much about. And it's very interesting to, um, because I see that you work also very close with winemakers. And, and I always had this idea that the winemaker uh, did, you know, everything, but, but the viticulturist is actually very important in this whole process. Yeah, yeah, I think um, in a strong sense, um, we definitely function in the background um, yeah. as part of the, the winemakers team. Um, mostly we will work very closely with the winemakers um, to identify their goals or um, styles they want to produce um, making their wines. And then we would go out and either have vineyards um, to um, help um, assist um, in producing those um, grapes that has the specific qualities they are looking for or either source it from um, different areas to ensure that they finally have their building blocks um, to have their final um, blend that they envisioned. Mm. So mm. that's a very scientific part of the job. Yes, definitely. I think um, it's quite important in most cases. Um, most of the viticulturists also have quite a um, decent knowledge of the winemaking process as well, since um, that entire process um, is very important um, to keep in mind when you work in the vineyard itself to ensure that the, the chemical composition of the grapes you're working with um, in specific areas and the challenges that might occur due to problems in the vineyard and um, that can the problems can go through to the wine um, to the cellar in the end and influence your winemaking process so having that winemaking knowledge in the background is definitely crucial um, and as you say, quite scientific in the end um, to ensure that you have that perfect final product that you're, you are looking for. 
Mm-hmm. But now, what was the interest for you in viticulture? To be honest, um, so when I uh, went to go study my course that was um, at the University of Stellenbosch, I did my um, bachelor's in agricultural sciences for winemaking and oenology. Um, and I um, finished that degree and in our final year we do a, a practical of about six months with a seller and during that period I mean for me I, I also always envisioned myself being a winemaker but when I finally went to go do that practical um, I think firstly the passion with with which that viticulturist at that farm did his work was absolutely inspirational, but also being there outside in nature, understanding the vines better. Also, um, it's it's so um, um, interesting because each season you have um, a different climate, uh, a different... um, struggles um, or problems you have to find solutions for um, each block each area each season is different in the end so and um, that just fascinate me fascinated me so much um, because it's ever-changing and you always have to think on your feet and um, really try and come up with um, solutions for quick solutions for certain problems and that just fascinated me so much and also the 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 large influence you can have on your final wine from the vineyard side um small manipulations that you can do in your canopy um or during um, maybe if you have a block that can be irrigated how you do your irrigation etc all of those little components can finally have a big influence on your final one. And that truly fascinated me in the end. And that's why after I finished my practical period, I ended up studying a bit further into um, in pathology as well, focusing on grapevine and grapevine diseases. Well, you've just now um, proved exactly what, what I'm trying to um, get across to, through all of this, all the interviews, and that is that uh, science and and art is actually so close connected because you're Absolutely. talking about the creativity that you need and the problem solving, mm. and you know, it's it's really an art what you're doing. Then, yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, I myself really enjoy. Um, being creative and I have a bunch of hobbies so um, I, I really do think um, having a strong creative um, maybe I don't know um, passions and stuff really helps you um, in the end just like bringing out um, and being creative in the in the workplace and um, finding your solutions because in the end um there's so many aspects to the winemaking industry, but all are all of them are actually so creative. Be it marketing, be it winemaking, um, be it actually vit- viticulture, everything. Um, it's a very creative industry, and um, I'm really like honoured to actually be part of it. It's truly, um, really fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, because you're saying now it's you know the weather and it's the soil and it's. 
so many things that that are, uh, that's part of this whole process, you know. And, and yesterday I spoke to a winemaker in New Zealand, and like he said, at the one moment they thought they're going to have a, a wonderful harvest, and the next minute there was a flood, and they had you know that they lost mm. most of the grapes and then and then it's that where where do you take it then from there you know where do you take it in a crisis to to make still wine or mm. um you know uh, the the whole process we never really think about that when we drink the wine but there's it's there's such a great story be, behind that and all the months and months of work that goes into the vineyard Yes, yes, definitely. Um, you really do get these um, unsuspected, you know, nature really never gives you enough notice when it decides to do something interesting. Um, in the 2020 season, uh, or 2021 season, actually, um, basically, when the harvest was about three quarters um, way almost done, um, we had a ginormous amount of rain that fell. And I mean, the, the resulting consequences, I mean, rot, you know, red grapes that end up struggling to, to ripen properly. Um, it was like a crazy um, time to ensure everything still comes in decently enough um, for the winemakers to be able to make their wines. Um, and we ended up having an exceptionally late harvest due to that amount of rain that fell, um, especially in some areas where um, we have quite heavy soils and sometimes um, quite early in the season, stop irrigation completely. That water basically just stayed in those berries and didn't want to budge. Um, and so there were some interesting, um, you know, um, solutions we had to come up with to ensure we have good quality wines to still put on the market but um yeah nature never gives you that warning but so it's always a, a constant um reading of um data and kind of reading nature and getting to know every certain area um to ensure that you you truly um can um assist your producers in adjusting to some almost natural disasters that tend to yeah. um, pass our way as we go along. Mm -hmm. um, the same with um, when it comes to frost in the winter, um, oh, yeah. keeping an eye on your um, um, temp nighttime temperatures, etc., to ensure that the guys are ready to act um, and, and do something about those conditions because you can have a, a disaster of a, a, a failed harvest if you if you end up like not, basically not having any, any grapes. Um, yeah, so it's always like um, a bit of problem solving and thinking of your feet going, going with this job, but it's so much fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking now that if I watch the weather uh, report in the morning, it's because I want to, to know what to, to put on or what to dress. But you look at the weather and you think of your harvest and you think yeah. of your grapes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. oh, it's such a big influence. Yeah. Now, are you involved in a, in a winery or are you uh, uh, in sort of freelance independent? Um, so um, I am uh, independent. Mm-hmm. Um, I work, I'm, I'm part of Vine and Wine Solutions. Um, it's a company that was started in 2018 by Leon Dippenard. And we are then um, independent uh, viticultural consultants um, supplying our clients uh, a service from kind of A to Z. Um, And so we do have specific sellers that we then um, work with, be it estates or cooperative sellers. And um, we also do a bit of a a precision farming um, um, service to our clients as well. And then we are also a bit involved in on the marketing of wine side, but in the end, our big main focus is the viticultural um, support we supply to our clients. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. And I see that you are also involved in in old uh, old vines, or or you have an interest in that. Yes. Yes. So. Um, a couple of our, our clients um, do take part in the Old Vine project. Um, so, um, especially um, the Toysky of Salle, we worked closely with getting their um, Old Vine wines um, ready and uh, ready to go and, and kind of support, um, support them in the project. Um, basically, um, what we tend to do is, um, since Old Vine, to be able to be registered as our Old Vine vineyard, a, a block needs to be 35 years old. And also in the case of the Toysky of Salle, um, we identified some, some blocks that were close to that age and already started proactively um, planning and, um, you know, brainstorming to get um to marketable products ready to by the time it, they were old enough to get registered um we were able to get that project on its feet so we're also um always trying to remain um vigilant of um older blocks that have a lot of potential to um really produce for many years to come sometimes you do have a situation where blocks simply just don't have the um the energy anymore to 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 remain in the soil or you know um sometimes basically maybe it was just a a bad uh, soil preparation that those days that happened um so it just doesn't have the ability to remain um a really sustainable block for many more years. But as soon as we, as soon as we do find or identify blocks that has um, good potential, good wine vinification um, capability, capabilities, um, we really start to um, kind of, um, what would you say? Um, so develop it. Yeah, develop it, um, try and um, preserve it. Sorry, that's what yeah. the word yeah. I'm looking for. Preserve. Try and preserve yeah. the block to mm-hmm. ensure um, that you have many more years where you can um, utilize that block and then mm-hmm. also try and um, assist in the in the almost uh, production planning side or, mm-hmm. or your know, product 
development side of um, the process. Yeah, but it's a very interesting process, um, especially since we do work quite broadly and your different winemaking regions, the, the old vine blocks that you find in each region truly is unique. Um, you can truly see the difference um, that different soils can have on such an old block, how it develops, um, and it's and the ability um, it it has to become an old vineyard block. Um, so it really is a um, extremely um, fulfilling project to be a part of because you know also uh, whatever you're busy with it's just really something that will go on um, into the future um, mm -hmm. you know you're actually just starting with the project even though that vineyard is already yeah. old because that 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 wine needs to um, you know keep on going and keep on developing and um, yeah so that's truly a fun part of this project yeah so you have to you have to also now uh, teach the or, or, or teach or advise the farmer on how to preserve this and mm. and uh, because it uh, what i've heard is that some of these old vines can get um sort of uh, viruses or or bugs or mm. or uh, illnesses i don't know what you call it in a, yeah yeah you do get um there are um, in terms of viruses, uh, a couple that can be quite um, sad for vines to, to get because your it truly strongly influences your wine quality, um, like red, red leaf uh, roll virus, um, leaf roll virus, sorry. And then also um, fungal trunk diseases. That's where... Um, Hygienic pruning practices are extremely important um, because those um, fungal diseases can truly just completely evis eviscerate a, a block um, quite easily. Um, it's quite important. Um, that's why I think um, pruning truly is one of the most important things to keep in mind when working with these old vine blocks, apart from nutrition like soil health, but um, because you you really need to um, preserve the integrity of your the wood of the vine um, to um, ensure a successful and um, effective flow of water and nutrients up and down the vine um, from the roots to the leaves and vice versa um, to ensure good berry development, um, good flavor development in those berries and the longevity of the, of the vines. Um, so an important thing to keep in mind working with these vines is to never um, do any almost extreme adjustments um, you really need to kind of work with the vine in a sense um, you know when you're pruning um, never make extremely large cuts I mean just like a human the bigger the wound the diff more difficult it is to remain healthy or to get healthy so um, always being gentle being gentle with the vine 
reading the vine, letting it tell you where it wants to go. In the end, it is a vine. It's a crawling plant. Um, it will guide you um, to where it wants to go. So, um, yeah, pruning really is one of the most um, important um, activities you can do to effectively um, ensure longevity of your vineyard block. And then with that, maybe applying some um, wound protectants um, and stuff after pruning, um, just to give that extra insurance um, that you keep the integrity of your wood healthy or keep the integrity of the wood of the vine, yeah. So how open are the farmers to to this, to, to keep in the vine? Because they, it's for them also sometimes not financially viable. Yeah. So it definitely is a um, process. But um, if us from almost the viticultural, viticultural support and then wine, wine seller side are able to successfully ensure um, to put a marketable product on the shelf um, that makes it worthwhile for that individual or that specific farmer to keep that block. Um, we tend to be able to motivate them in the process um, because I think um, a lot of the times in many cases you have a large sentiment um, or the farmers do have a, a large sentiment to, to their farms and to some of those blocks. I mean, um, if I'm thinking of a specific specific um, one um, block now for of, of one of our sellers, um, that's farmers that the farmer that is currently farming on the farm, his father planted that block. And mm -hmm. since then, his father has passed away. But I mean, that heritage and that kind of legacy is special. Um, so as long as you can really ensure that you can support them firstly with maintaining that block mm -hmm. and also ensure that you're able to put a marketable product on the shelves for them. Um, it's not that maybe difficult to, mm -hmm. to get them on board because um, it is a unique um, um, qual quality they can add to a seller or add to um, the collection of the seller they are specifically uh, producing their grapes for. Um, so no, as long, yeah, that's why it's quite important for us to almost proactively identify blocks also that would in the future be um, good blocks to have as oh, yeah. blocks, even though they don't qualify yet, but rather getting, um, getting a producer to keep that block um, for another five or 10 years because you really truly can see the potential it has to, to remain in the soil even longer. Um, that's almost a bigger challenge than keeping a, a old block that's already maybe qualified. Um, but it is possible, it just takes a bit of <laughs> work and a bit of um, yeah, effort yep. to, to motivate them, yeah. But I think it's wonderful that you see, that you now see 
uh, foresee it, you know, that you that you say, okay, so if you can keep this one for another five to 10 years, this is what you will end up then having. Mm. And I think also from the consumer side, if the consumer understands what the old vine is, uh, you know, the, the wines from mm. the old vine, um, that this would be a more, you know, that this will be a sought after item and that would be then also financially uh, feasible for the for the farmer. Definitely, definitely. That's where why um, the concept of the old wine project that um, they created or the project they created and being able to register a block um, with a legitimate um uh, entity um, I think has a lot of value um, because it also in a, internationally if you compare us to a lot of the wine making regions South Africa is actually very young um, so um, to be able to then compete almost at a certain level in terms of what our industry have been able to achieve over the years that we have been producing wine. Um, yeah, I think the old wine project concept definitely assists um, in that sense, you know, that we are not just here for quick light wines that um, yeah. are uh, just high production stuff. We are truly here for uh, quality um, and longevity. Yeah, and and also like you say, the, you know, all that all that goes behind the scenes to get that wine in the bottle. That is also something that we have to consider um, mm. as well when we buy the, the the wine and if it's a good quality wine. But now um, about organic farming, because a lot of wineries now are certified organic, or they try to certify themselves as organic. How important do you think this is that? that wine farmers and, and winemakers go that route, you know, the sustainable and eco-friendly route? Mm. I think um, in the long run, um, since not even in a sustainable way, but just the reality of um, the industry, the, the um, expenses becoming just higher and higher to be a farmer, chemical um, uh, sprays that need to be applied to protect your uh, prop crops, um, fertilizers that need to be applied to, to ensure good yields. Um, with our fuel prices skyrocketing mm -hmm. as they do, I do think um, it is something that needs to be developed going ahead. I think in the past, it was maybe just a niche thing that some people uh, were doing, but I think it's becoming more and more um, the reality almost for everyone mm -hmm. to, to really reconsider how they um, do their daily activities. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the reasons we also, it's, it's not that it's organic, but, but um, one of the reasons we do supply a precision viticultural um, service to our clients is to ensure 
to to reduce unnecessary application of fertilizers where it's not needed to only pinpoint spots and apply it as needed instead of having these blanket applications of fertilizers for example and having it leach into your water and also the expense to lower that, those expenses um so Organic um, farming really does have come with a lot of challenges because you are so limited into um, what activities and applications you can do. So I think um, it's definitely something that we need to look into developing further to make it easier for, for producers to consider becoming organic farmers. Yeah. 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 I sometimes think also it's, it's even if it's one or two things that that can change, then and everybody does the same thing, then it's mm. you know then it's this chain reaction where it uh, it then benefits mm. everybody. Definitely, slowly but surely, we are seeing more and more um, almost organic-like practices that. Um, um, start to develop more more environmentally friendly practices that becomes standard practices for conventional farmers. It's not that they are necessarily organic farmers. For example, um, the the uh, management of certain pests and then usually using natural um, uh, a predator bugs releasing yeah. natural predator bugs to to manage those pests in in the instead of doing chemical sprays for example so there's a lot of practices that are almost naturally becoming part of even conventional pharmacists um, daily activities even though they are not organically certified yeah but now you've got a few bottles of wine there behind you mm. Tell me about them. <laughs> I, I just um, had a couple with me um, from yeah. actually two of our clients. So I figured I'll just show them off a bit. Definitely. Um, so one of the reasons I, I kind of decided on having these two actually um, is also because they are from two different regions. Um, this is from the Toys Cliff Cellar, which is a winery in Breda Cliff. And this is a Padabar Cellar, mm -hmm. yeah. which um, this they they do um, they are quite broad, but um, the the old wine block that um, they use for this one is located just outside of Pol. Um, and what's interesting about these two regions, um, if I compare these two, these are both of the um, old wine Shannons. Toyskloof ones um, is labelled under the Quest range, mm -hmm. and then Padabach, um, it's the dryland collection. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, called the Courageous Old Vine Barrel Fermented Chenin Blanc. Mm -hmm. And to me, um, the interesting um, thing about working with both of these blocks is your is firstly the soil you are working with in each case. Um, the dry land collection block is planted on um, soils that are have a ha much higher um, clay content and also have a much better ability to absorb water um, and also then slowly release the water back to the vines. Um, whereas this Shannon 
in the Breda Cliff is basically planted in more of a, a loamy, sandy soil because of most of the Breda Cliff used to be either a riverbed or a piece of um, what marshlands. Marshlands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, if, if that's the yeah, correct English word, I'm not. <laughs> um, and and so so these are so this um, Breda Cliff Shannon uh, is has been under irrigation from the start, mm -hmm. for example. Whereas our um, Padabak Shannon is um, a dry land Shannon, so mm -hmm. it doesn't get any irrigation um, unless no, it doesn't get any irrigation. Mm -hmm. um, and the 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 um, dryland collection Shannon is also um, a bush vine mm -hmm. um, so you all automatically have a much smaller canopy you're working with um, for your vine um, they're very um, strong vines um, we do find that they age better the old um, the bush vines in the end mm -hmm. um, because you sometimes have also like much less pruning wounds and things you have to worry about getting infection so um, they do really age well um, and this um, Breda Cliff Shannon it's um, your traditional vertical trellising system VSP um, and that as well as the Sauvignon Blanc are trellised vineyards um, and in the end um, um, uh, one of the quotes I've, I've read also uh, Andre Morgenthal says is um, that when it comes to these old vineyards it's they're not necessarily um, not ne they don't necessarily um, show the, the cultivar as strongly as they do show the area that it comes from Oh, yeah. And that's why it's quite interesting tasting the when you taste these two barns, even though they're Bosch Shannon. Um, the one block is about nine years older than the other, but um, you can get completely different characters that develop. Um, when you look at the Breda Cliff one, um, with the Breda Cliff being a much cooler area um, than the um, Achterparel region, um, you do have some like lovely citrus um, aromas that developed almost within that cooler climate that you don't um, necessarily get from the the Swartland area, but uh, the Achterparel area. But in the Achterparel, you get um, much uh, uh, stronger, sweeter, um, uh, more robust uh, flavors that that do develop. Mm -hmm. So th that's these two wines. And then one I also have here is uh, the Toysfurf's Old Vine Sauvignon Blanc. And what makes this one quite special is that um, it's the only Old Vine Sauvignon Blanc in the Breda Cliff region. Um, so the Toysfurf, um, as a seller, um, in the, yeah, about around like um, the 19... 70 mid 70s they decided to break away a bit from the Breda Kloof's more traditional cultivar um, um, trends um, and uh, the the cellar itself is located quite closely to the Detroit Kloof Pass just by the very high mountains and they tend to be quite cooler and have also like um, short to daylight hours so they decided to kind of branch into Sauvignon Blanc. 
And um, actually to this day, or at this point, they are one of the largest producers of um, bottled or packaged Sauvignon Blanc in South Africa. And this specific um, old vine, Sauvignon Blanc, is then one of the first blocks that were planted back then when they kind of moved into the cultivar um, for the cellar and the, and also the only one that still remains. Um, so this makes this one also yeah. quite a unique story to it. Yeah. Do you know, I love the stories behind the wine. I think this is part of the wine, you know, this is part yeah. of... of because if you know the story also, I think this will also affect the taste, what you taste, you know, or, or how Definitely. you taste. Yeah. But it's Definitely. interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I've also heard that the, the, the wines from the old vines are a stronger wine. Is that true? You know, that's a concentrated more than the, the taste. Mm. The, um, Definitely. Um, I think um, it's, also, maybe a combination of most of the old vine cultivars being some of the older clones, mm -hmm. um, as well as then um, the vines themselves. Um, as they age, they start having, they start um, producing smaller bunches with less berries and also smaller berries. So you do have a more concentrated flavor um, that develops also then improving their ageability and their ability to um, be fermented in wood. Um, so they definitely develop in quite interesting wines um, that you can age quite well due to the concentration and um, chemical structure um, that develops as as it ages or the as the vine ages yeah. yeah and is it mostly white wines in south africa um the, the registered um if i'm correct the registered old vine blocks or, or more dominantly white blocks. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's mostly due to our um, leaf roll virus problems that we do have in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, you know, the Chenin and Sauvignon Blanc, um, especially those two cultivars tend to be at least, it's not that they are resistant, but um, they are not as sensitive to okay. symptoms mm -hmm. um, and then manage to at least um, age well. Um, but there are there are obviously some red blocks, but they are far and few. Oh, okay. in yeah. <laughs> but so when when um, when a vine, for example, get a virus like the rolled leaf, um, is it then over? You you cannot save it. Yeah. Um, basically, yes. Um, the vine doesn't have a metabolism that will be able to kind of destroy the virus. Okay. And um, the virus itself um, spreads through the vine basically immediately. Mm -hmm. With, when you compare it to fungal diseases, you might have um, almost a, a little part of the vine that sometimes get infected and you can almost 
with vine surgery kind of remove your infected part and still be able to maybe save the vine. Um, but but with the relief roll virus, I mean, it's not like the vine basically dies, mm. but it influences its ability for its ability to function. Mm. Um, all its uh, uh, metabolic processes, the way uh, its ability to photosynthesize, its ability to develop flavor, its ability to ripen your grapes um, gets um influenced and okay. and becomes less and less effective effective with time mm -hmm. um and that's usually why a red blocks lifespan mm -hmm. will quickly shorten when it gets virus because in the end you also have problems with production and yeah. the little grapes that remain on the, that vine basically doesn't ripen at all oh, um, yeah mm -hmm. But now, um, Madeleine, this is very interesting what you're talking. You've got an amazing job, and um, I think you you did the right choice to go, and and uh, because you go into the vineyards and you're probably outside every day. Amongst Basically, yeah. Admin days are for rain days. Then, oh, okay. then, then we'll do some admin, but otherwise we're basically outside all the time. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's lovely. But now tell me, what are your wishes for the future? In South Africa, um, after all the, the period of alcohol bans and everything mm -hmm. that we went through, um, I have to say there are definitely some sellers and producers that are truly struggling to recover from this period because the effect of it is only really... Um, um, almost coming to the surface now, just after everything happened, and um, so 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 yeah, it is a worry that uh, um, some some of uh, our producers and wine sellers simply won't recover um, from the situation we had. But um, my hope mostly is that. Even if it becomes um, a case of a farmer having to diversify a bit on the farm or something that those guys can remain on their farms um, because basically we can't do what we do and have this lovely industry we have without them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that will be my my biggest hope for the future and then also in general just um i think we live in a well south africa's wine industry is quite developed on the technological front um if i look at the agricultural the, the technology that we already apply um in the fields and it's just on based on just the companies that are, take initiative in South Africa and develop things and um, apply them and adjust them for our needs, we are really very well developed. So uh, I do hope that that type of passion um, for problems and um, drive to, to, I don't know what, to 
to better um, yeah. our industry remains. Mm -hmm. um, because truly, frequently, you'll see some um, technology becoming um, trending in a certain country and then we're already applying it. We're already, mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. know, um, in our small you. way, we are already um, um, developing that, that technology. So um, mm -hmm. I think uh, the, the, the people that work in our industry in South Africa mm -hmm. are really gems. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they, they, they truly um, have a passion for our mm -hmm. industry. Yeah, but I think this is, I spoke to uh, Etienne Yetling as well. Um, and he said that, you know, uh, because of also of the climate and, and the way of farming that uh, some of the European countries will now start looking at countries like South Africa, like Australia, like New Zealand for the way they, they farm in these conditions and these temperatures. Mm. So um, that's in a way a positive, you know, that you are Definitely. already ahead when it comes to global warming mm. and, and the temperatures that that changing. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of, I think, practices that we or our producers already see as everyday practices that I think um, a lot of um, the winemaking regions, um, especially in Europe, where they are experiencing more and more drought conditions, um, that that it's a completely new concept to them. Yeah. Um, our soil health and soil water management is very well developed, um, especially after the drought we had um, the last couple of years, oh, just yeah. before COVID hit. We basically came out of the drought into COVID. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I have to say you can mm. see that our producers, our farmers are really um, mindful of those practices and as I say for them it's almost it's everyday practices it's not even something new to them at this point mm. um and then coming back to like your question about organic farming that's why what I also mean with um <clears throat> that the label of organic farming is definitely important but just some of the practices if, yeah. if just more of those practices can be applied to our guys our conven conventional farmers mm -hmm. there are definitely a lot of stuff that can be used um, um, back and forth um, between yeah. between the two methods of farming. Yeah, and I think it's uh, some of the winemakers that I spoke to also acknowledge that, you know, even if it's a few things that you do, but you do it on a constant basis, then it starts getting, okay, now the next step, now the next step. And it then... Oh, definitely. You know, mm. then, then it creates this chain of it working, all working together. And then in the end, it's a, a complete mm. process then that you have. Definitely. Yeah. It does take a lot of time, every single yeah. thing you, you implement, mm. because in the end, a grapevine is also a plant that luckily doesn't die immediately or it doesn't also reduce, like revitalize immediately. It does happen yeah. over time and over a couple of seasons. But um, 
you do see the results mm-hmm. of um, the, the small, even the smallest differences that that the the producers apply. Yeah. yeah. Now I have one more question for you. Can you do a shout out for um, a restaurant or a coffee shop where you go frequently? Ooh. Are you a coffee drinker? I'm a I'm a yes, a big coffee drinker. Okay. If I have to give a shout out, it's mm-hmm. not a specific coffee shop, but a, a maybe a, a local brand of coffee, bootlegger. Yeah. Oh, that is uh, bootlegger. That is um, close to my heart. Okay. Since, um, I drive a lot um, between farms and all around. So um, takeaway coffee is big on my. Oh, okay. <laughs> find your spots. You find your spots along your routes that you usually <laughs> stop by. And um, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it like a coffee to go? Place? Coffee. Uh, they uh, they make the coffee beans and the, and the um, but they also have a couple of coffee shops. Uh, okay. Yeah. Madeleine, this was so lovely to talk to you. Yes, thank you so much, Pietro. And all the best with all your work and your great work with the Old Vine Project. Thank you. Yeah, it's always such a it's such a good initiative. Yeah, no, definitely. But um, have a lovely evening. You too. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.